What hand can we hold on to but the hand of Jesus, whose promises of love and protection can we trust but that of Jesus? Which sweetest message can we draw life and hope from but the message of salvation Jesus offers? Join us fellowship at the PIWC Dome, Accra Technical Training Center, ATTC Kukumlimle. Sunday celebration service is from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. The fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Join us every Friday for a power prayer meeting at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. For more information, contact our resident minister, Apostle Emmanuel Kwesi Aqua on 054-700-1516 and presiding elder Joseph Mbokwa on 0277-144-128. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of us. Thank God once again for bringing us together as a church, praise and worship him and listen to his word. You're talking about the church called to holy living. The church called to holy living. The church of God that has been called to holy living. And we will continue by looking at holiness in the church of Pentecost then and now. We'll continue from there. Shall we take our Bibles and read our main text, 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. 1 Peter chapter 1, we are reading from verse 13 through to 16. And I read from the New International Version. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. As a church, God has called us to a life of holiness. And we must live a holy life. That is why we have been called. If we are children of God, we have no option. But to live holy. Because scripture is telling us that we have to be holy. Because the one who has called us is holy. And so we are holy people. Beloved children of God. Who has set us apart. Not to be like the others. But to be separated. To be different. Set apart for a special use. By God who has called us into a life of holiness. This year, our theme for the Church of Pentecost is a glorious church to possess the nations. And if we are to be a glorious church, then our life should be holy. We should live holy lives. The Church of Pentecost, in the apostolic times, when they started, and the early church, they put premium on holy living. And everything they did, they talked about holiness. And it was this holy living that helped the church to grow and to grow to higher proportion that over a short space of time, the church was all over the place because they guarded against a life that will corrupt them and make sure that their life was holy unto the Lord. And so everything they did, it was that. And this aspect of their holy living was enshrined into 
the constitution of the church. To the extent that certain things were abhorred, and then if you did them right away, you are disciplined. Some argue that discipline do not really help a church. But from our history, we know that discipline has helped us. You know, human beings are a bit funny. Some, sometimes if you think that, oh, I am, I am favoring them, I am pampering them, I'm allowing them to go their own way, then they rather interpret it to be a weakness. And because of that, at the end of it, even though they have enjoyed some freedom, they don't really like it because they want to be checked and regulated so that they conform. And then their life become better. And so they were happy when this came because it checked their lives. It checked their lives. And so issues about corruption in the society was not supposed to be seen in the church. Disrespect for authority and the elders was not supposed to be seen in the church. Adultery and fornication of the society was not part of the church. Lies and insults and unfaithfulness in the society did not come near the church, and they tried as much as possible to live a holy life. And so if you look at the Church of Pentecost Constitution, issues like habitually visiting questionable places, even that somebody could be disciplined. This one, not that you are caught up doing anything, no. but, but, but when, when it becomes questionable, when it becomes questionable, sometimes you are rebuked. Very, very funny thing, but it helped them, it checked them. So if they are not too sure... They check you. And I remember at the time I have met my darling wife, Irene. And um, we have even had the engagement. We have engaged, done the engagement. And then at the engagement, um, a lot of ministers attended. Because as a pastor's kid, <laughs> I moved with them. So a lot of them attended, including the chairman of the church at that time. Um, and all others had attended. And we, had, we were done with the engagement. We were waiting for the wedding day. And um, a friend of mine, from a re- friend of ours had come from Italy. And I decided to go and see him off. So while I was going, I was at Jowulu. My wife was at airport residential. So I picked her up and then we went to the airport. And then we were there seeing him chatting. And an apostle who was at the engagement service saw us and said, Dan. When did you have your wedding? And I said, sir, we have not had it yet. And he said, you have come to the airport with, with Irene. Come on, hurry up, take her home. Oh, just at the airport in a public space. I mean, what will I do to her? By the way, he threatened me. <laughs> I had to quickly, you know, tell my friend, in fact, bye-bye, we can't talk because I had to get her up. And quickly, I picked her in my car and then went and dropped her off. Then when I went home, I was wondering, so how can we even meet and prepare and plan for the wedding? The clothes that we have to. But at that time, I wasn't too surprised. And I didn't question why the apostle, you know, queried me. As soon as he said that, I obeyed and I quickly, because I knew at the time the wedding had not come on. And we were taught that if you even go out with somebody you were marrying, maybe going for your wedding shopping, there should be a third person. And all these things help to check us so that you don't fall into temptation. Scripture says, and do not lead us into temptation. And so we don't have to lead ourselves into temptation. And quickly, I have to do that and settle that. Wow. So this is the kind of system we grew up with. But I think that it helped us. 
it really did. It really checked us so that you are not unnecessarily exposed to sin. And other things enshrined in our constitution is falling into open sin, embracing or spreading false doctrine, divorcing your wife or husband, marrying more than one wife, a sister getting married to a married man, and then this other one, disobeying and showing disrespect to the church authority at any level. Yeah, somebody said, hey, and that was it. And then generally practicing immorality. And as I've said, these principles were jealously guarded. And every member of the church made that effort to live a holy life. And so church, as we are growing and then understanding things better, and in the modern times that we live in, where we have a lot of freedoms and rights and so forth, let us still not neglect the fact that the word of God is still the same. All things will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And so let us still hold on to the truth of the word of God, and that will help us. We talked about two things that helped the early church to live a holy life. And one was that they associated holiness with power. And so they realized that if they came to the church, what they should pray for and ask the Lord to grant to them is to be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they also realized that when they receive the power of the Holy Spirit, they become powerful people. And this was essential because they have come from idolatry. They have come from witchcrafty. They have come from all kinds of evil practices. So they needed a higher power to protect them and guard them. And they also understood that you cannot be baptized with the Holy Spirit without being holy. And so the very moment that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you become holy. If you become holy, then you also become a powerful person. And when you become a powerful person, you are not afraid of any evil spirit. You are not. I remember somebody gave a testimony one time somewhere in one of the districts where a young man who was charged in the spirit, he had gone for a half-night prayer. It was around after midnight. And then he was going to his village. It was a district meeting. So after the meeting, he was going, and then with his Bible, he was speaking in tongues. He was charged from the prayer meeting. And then he was walking in a place, no electricity, no light. And it was a bush path that he had to travel to his village. And whilst he was going, he saw this fire, fire coming towards him. And when he saw the fire, he did not get scared, but he just continued the journey. And then he started moving. When he, and then speaking in tongues, when he got to where the fire is, he just used his Bible that he was holding and then just struck the fire. And he continued. The fire just <laughs> went off. And then he continued the journey. He had gone to town, had a good sleep. In the morning, he was called to the chief palace. And the case was that he had slashed an old lady with a cutlass. And she came and <laughs> testified. And then he said, Chief, it is not true. Where were you last night? Then he said, oh, I went to a prayer meeting. All what I remember was that when I was coming, I saw some fire, and then I didn't know what it was. I was holding a Bible. I just struck the Bible, 
with the fire. And that was it. It just extinguished and I continue my journey. And then the woman bowed. Then they realized that ah, it was some kind of an evil spirit that was operating. <laughs> but a young man full of the power of the Holy Ghost just went. No fears. They were not afraid to go to their hometown because there was a, a witch there. They were more powerful. And I believe that it will live holy lives. The power of God will be displayed in our lives. Don't be afraid of any evil spirit. Because the one who lives inside you is greater. He is greater. He is greater. And I pray that the Lord will open your eyes for you to know and understand that he who is with you is greater than he that is with them. And that was the prayer of Elisha when his servant got scared. When the Arameans soldiers had come to come and arrest his master, he got there and he was scared, he was afraid. And then he went to Elisha. Master, we are surrounded. We are surrounded by, by enemy forces. What shall we do? Elisha, in a very calmly situation, just lifted up his hands and he said, Oh God, open my servant's eyes. When his eyes were opened, he saw that in the hills country around them, they were surrounded by chariots of fire, myriads of angels, people who had gathered them, and they were surrounded. When he saw that, that scene, he went back to his people and asked the soldiers, and asked them, who are you looking for? Now he has seen, he has become more powerful. May the Lord open our eyes so that we know who we have, and we know who has called us. Amen. There is this that I want to share with you. There is a popular, one of the early missionaries, Reverend Dan Edwards. He was called to be a missionary among the Jews in Germany. And that was way back in the 1840s. When he was ordained to go into mission, he was called by a senior minister called Robert Murray McShine. And McShine told him this that I want to read to you. He said, I trust you will have a pleasant and profitable time in Germany. I know you will apply hard to learn German so that your missionary work will progress. But do not forget the culture of the inner man. I mean of the heart. How diligently the cavalry officer that the soldiers who fight on horseback keeps their sabre, their curved sword, clean and sharp. Every stain they wrap off with the greatest care. Remember, you are also God's sword, his instrument, a chosen vessel unto him to bear his name. In great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, there will be success. And then he added this that I like. It is not great talents. God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. It is not great talents that God will bless so much. Rather, he blesses those with great likeness to Jesus. And then he concluded by saying, A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. This morning I've come to tell you that a holy Christian is an awful weapon in the hands of God. 
If you are a holy person and you are in the hands of God, he will use you for anything that he desires to use. And may we be that weapon. May we be that vessel of honor. May we be indeed royal vessels that God is using a tool and instrument in the hands of God. That if God wants to change our society, if God wants us to possess the nations, he will use you and myself because we are tools, we are instruments. He will not come down, but he has chosen us as ambassadors to go out there to transform society. He needs you and myself, but he will use a holy weapon. He will use a holy weapon. He will use a holy weapon. May God use us when he needs somebody to use. The second thing that helped the early church by living a holy life was that they understood that Jesus Christ was coming anytime soon. And so again, they equated holiness to eschatology, the second coming of Christ. So holiness and eschatology. And a careful study of the theology of the church during the early times reveals that it was their understanding of the second advent that made them more zealous to live Christ-like lives. And this was revealed in their songs, in their conversations, in their testimonies, and in their preaching of the word. And so it was told that when they went to church and they were closing during announcement time, they will announce that if the lottery is and does not come today, we will meet tomorrow. Because they were certain and sure that even as they sat in the church hall, Christ could come any moment, any day. And because of that, they were very careful. If Christ should come now, will I be one of those who would take to heaven? Or I will be rejected. And because of that, they checked their life and made sure that they lived holy lives so that when Christ comes, they will be part of those that he will call home. Some of their songs were a church The names of God's children are being written in heaven. My name is also in God's book. What I need is to believe in Jesus. What I need is to repent. What I need is to live holy life, to inherit God's kingdom. Other songs were like, the king of kings is indeed coming. His great power will shake the entire world. The dead will rise and together with the living will go and meet him in the sky. I will be one of them. Hallelujah, I will be one of them. By his blood, I will be one of them. Sinners will not be able to comprehend this shining, shining face. And the saints will live with him forever. Amen. Are you ready? Are you prepared? This morning I heard on radio one old song that I really like. That's all. I've not sung this song for a long time. And it goes like this. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We will sing and shout the victory when we all get to heaven. What a day 
of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we will sing and shout the victory oh hallelujah when we all get to heaven one day I was working somewhere you know this, this earth here is no good we thank God for giving us this environment. But at least I think that our actions are polluting and destroying this environment. And that is why Jesus is preparing a place for us to come and take us to his home above. This world is full of troubles. One day I was walking somewhere at Abilimpi and I saw a little boy sitting in front of a house, a closed gate, and he was sitting there. His age, I can guess, would be about five to six years. And I was surprised. I was shocked. I didn't know these little children, they also had their own problems. <laughs> and he was sitting there talking to himself. I don't know. I'm sure he might not have eaten all day. And so the boy was sitting down there and he said, Oh, yes, you. Oh, Jesus. So when at all are you coming? You realize that he's going through some life challenges that at the age of five, at the age of six, he wanted to leave this world. Are you ready? If you are ready, then let your life show and let your life tell. The way you do your things, the way you talk, the places you go, the actions that you are involved in, the way you are interested and fond of the things of God. You don't struggle to come to church as you are obeying the word of God that says that we should not stop coming together. So coming to church is an obedience to the word of God. It shouldn't be a struggle. If it becomes a struggle, then it means that you don't even have the church living inside you. But if you yourself, you are the church and the church is meeting, you will always want to be together where the people of God are. May we know and understand and make sure and know this that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And when he comes, how is he going to find you? Are you ready when the Lord shall come? In the morning, six o'clock. In the evening, six o'clock. Are you ready when the Lord in the evening, six o'clock, are you ready when the Lord And so they did not only sing it, but they also prayed their life into holiness and into the fact that God or Jesus Christ is coming soon. It must be noted that prayer meetings were common during the early times of the church. However, when it came to attaining God's kingdom, holiness was the criteria. Holiness was the criteria. They knew that it wasn't just coming to church that would take them there, but rather a life of holiness. It is only saints who will be able to stand before our God. Amen. They did not only pray about it, but they also testify about it. And it was very common in those days to say to for when you open time for testimony. And I like one program here. I testify. Please, let's keep it up. I testify. Amen. Thank you for clapping. That's a great program. It was very common for somebody to stand before the congregation and say that I was a sinner. I was a smoker. I was chasing after women and men. I was a thief. I was a murderer. 
I was this and that. But thanks be to God, I met the Lord Jesus Christ who has changed my life. And because their lives were changed and they have stopped, they were not ashamed to stand and talk about it. You know, when you talk about something, it checks you, it helps you not to do it again. Because you know other people have heard you. May we be able, bold enough to give testimonies about our transformation and about a change that we have in God. May the Lord change our lives. Remember when the Samaritan woman met Jesus Christ at the well. And then they were engaged in conversation. Initially, the woman did not know the person she was talking to. And um, she decided to go into religion and all that. Finally, when she realized that, she was speaking to no other than the Messiah. Scripture said that she let her pot there, ran into the city of Samaria, and began to be an evangelist right away. Started shouting, Oh, people of Samaria, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Is this not the Messiah? And the people started rushing because they were surprised. If this woman who have had five husbands or five men, not even properly married, the one that she was staying with was perhaps another person's husband, and she was still with that man. If this woman can come and shout in the city that she has found the Messiah, then it is true. Let us go and see. When they went, they said, oh, woman, it's not what you told us, but we have come and we have seen it ourselves. May we share our testimonies so that others will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, it's not easy to get testimony. I remember a woman who was excited about people giving life-changing transformation testimonies. And then she was all like, oh God, when will I also get such a testimony? Oh God, give me my own testimony. One day, she was traveling from Accra to Kumasi. And um, Obapa, she was sitting at the front of the bus. And that day, Unfortunately, the bus burst a tire and then it was running into a ditch. And she was like, oh God. Then she shouted, Jesus. Three days after, she didn't know where she was. When she opened her eyes after three days, she went into coma. She was at Kolebu with all kinds of tubes in the nostrils, with one leg hung up and bruises. She looked at him herself and then asked the doctors around her, what happened? And then they said, you were involved in a fatal accident. God had indeed saved you. And then she remembered that, oh yes, I was traveling to Kumasi. When she remembered, then she said, hey, Erade, you see, then she realized it's not easy to get a testimony. May God help us. So let us change our lives. It's not easy to do that. But when your life is transformed, you'll be able to stand and say, Oh, once I was a sinner, saved by grace. Once I was a
W. Tozer wrote that, I cannot think of even one lonely passage in the New Testament which speaks of Christ's revelation, manifestation, appearing or coming that is not directly linked with moral conduct, faith, and spiritual holiness. Christ calls men to carry a cross. We call them to have fun in Jesus' name. He calls them to forsake the world. We assure them that if they but accept Jesus, the world is their oyster. He calls them to suffer, but we call them to enjoy all the bourgeois comforts modern civilization affords. Christ calls them to holiness. We call them to a cheap and showy happiness that would have been rejected with scorn by the least of the stoic philosophers. Brothers and sisters, Christ has called us to a life of holiness. May the Lord help us that we are indeed holy. And let us be careful not to compromise our faith. A chief called his linguist and told him that I'm sending you to the next town. Take this bottle of wine and go give to him as a deepening of our friendship, of our two towns. The servants took the wine. On his way, he got thirsty and got tempted. He opened the wine and the smell was good. He tasted it and he liked it. He still fell into that temptation of drinking some. He drank about a quarter of the bottle and then realized that, no, I'm in trouble. I can't go to the chief and give him a half bottle of wine. What will I do? He found water. And topped the wine up with the water. Came to the brim. Tightened it. Continued the journey. As he was about getting there. He still got tempted. And so he opened the bottle again. And this time had a good drink of it. To about just a third of it. And then he topped it up with water. And then sealed it. Finally he got to the chief. And said oh king. My king has sent me to deliver this wine to you. The wine was intact. The label was still on it. Everything was okay. But the content has been diluted. The content was different. I'm sure when the chief tastes the wine, he will realize that something is wrong with it. And unfortunately today, we have a lot of Christians. Their labels are good. I am a Christian and that is what people know. Perhaps even this morning, they saw you coming to church. A good label. A good Christian, a good person who does not joke with going to church. And so we have all the labels. But how is the content inside us? And that is what matters. What is the content that you have? If you are being poured out for the world to taste you, will the taste be Christ-like? May the Lord help us. Living in holiness as Christians, as we read, Christians are expected to demonstrate Christ's character of holiness because he is holy. And we have to be holy in all aspects of our life. Number one, holiness in thought. Holiness in our thinking. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
and whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This morning, what is your thinking like? What runs through your mind most of the times? When you are alone and you are not in church, at least when we come to church, it is, it is normal. It is okay. It is obvious that you'll be thinking about maybe the word that is coming to you. Maybe you'll be thinking about the apostle and myself. Maybe the elder. Maybe some good thoughts. All right. Some good thoughts. But when you are alone in your closet, when you are alone somewhere, or when you are somewhere that you are not amongst the congregation of the saints, and you are all by yourself or in another company, what are the thinking that yield your actions and your talking? And Paul is saying that if you need to think about anything, our thoughts should be pure, it should be true, it should be noble, it should be right. What thoughts do you have? about me. Do you think good about me? And about your sister? And about your brother? And about your ministers and elders? If our thinking will be right. Brother, sister, you know what? When the disciples had met in the upper room and the Holy Spirit descended, the Bible said that the one tongue of the Holy Spirit that was coming, you know, in the likeness of a tongue of flame, when they got to the room, in the upper room, that one tongue divided into about 120 tongues and it landed on every single person in that room. Why? Because they were, Bible says, in one accord, with one mind. If you have come here all together and all our minds are one, all our thinking, we have all come expecting that God will do something great today. God indeed will perform. Amen. May we have good thoughts about one another. I think I told you this once where a sister who had devoted herself to serve God as a deaconess. She served and served and served that she be... Can you imagine that? And so somebody cooked up a story and went to the presiding elder to tell him that... Do you know why this woman is always serving and sweeping and cleaning and every time she's at the church? Then she said, what? He said, oh, last night I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw the sister standing in front of the door with a kind of a kakamotobi face, with an evil face. And all the members who were coming, she was driving them away. And then she told the presiding elder, have you seen that these days, when our members begin to swell, increase, then it reduces... It's all because of what I have seen. And this thing became so serious. And the elder two could not, I mean, how can you call the sister and say somebody has seen that maybe you are a witch or so forth. And the news started spreading among the church. One time during a naming ceremony, the sister, the, 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 the woman with the baby, the, the dickness saw that the sister was, was struggling. So she wanted to assist. She went wanting to hold the baby. Then she said, oh, it's okay, I'm okay. All because... She had bad thoughts or evil thoughts against somebody. But brother, sister, it doesn't matter what people think about you. If you know that you are serving your Lord and you are serving right. And because of that service of that sister, God has blessed her enormously, elephantly actually. God has blessed her greatly because she has served from her heart. Let us serve. Even when Jesus Christ at one time, he healed the demon possessed, people thought that he was using the power of Beelzebub. So it is not surprising. They will give us all kinds of names. But let us remain true and pure to our faith. Let our thinking be pure and clean. Scripture says that for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let us think right. Holiness in what we see or what we watch. What are you watching? What are you seeing? What are you looking at? 
When you enjoy seeing on your phones, on your pads, on computers, on your TV, what do you see and what are you watching? Unfortunately, in our times, sex is all over the place and it has become wholesale. Even adverts, they try to sexualize it. And so you see a woman half naked standing by a Mercedes-Benz car and then they are advertising it. What is a naked woman doing by a car? Because they think that the man will be attracted to the woman. And when he's attracted to the nakedness, then she will look at what is there. And so our world is drawing us into sex. And we have to be careful. Today you see musicians getting on stage almost half naked. And somebody was not ashamed when she was being interviewed one time and she was bragging that as for me, sometimes I can even go on stage without wearing a pant. And she was excited about it. And yet people, men and women will troop and go and watch these people singing to them. What are we watching in our times? Unfortunately, even the cartoons have all been sexualized these days. And they are even promoting LGBTIQ and others' agenda so that the children will grow to love these things. Brothers, we need to live holy lives. If our lives are holy, it will be translated, to transfer to our children and we will raise godly children. May the Lord help us to live holy lives in this sex-crazy world. And don't talk about the comprehensive sex education. Let me talk about one more thing. Holiness in our deeds. Holiness in deeds. And one story I like most is Jeremiah chapter 35. But before then, Colossians 3, 7. Colossians chapter 3, verse 7. says, whatever we do, we must know that our deeds are unto the Lord, who is holy. The church that is called to a holy living will do well if every action of ours is measured by the word of God. In Jeremiah 35, there's a story, a beautiful story about the family of the Rechabites. And their life interested God. And so God's word came to Jeremiah and then told Jeremiah, go to the Rechabites. And then when you go, set wine in front of, call them. In fact, call them to the house of God. In a room in the house of God. And set wine before them and ask them to drink and hear what they will say. So Jeremiah called the Rechabite family into the temple, the house of God. And then he took them into a room in the house of God. They knew Jeremiah, a powerful man of God, a prophet of God. Somebody whose word is true. And then he had called these Rechabites. He set wine before them in the house of God. And Jeremiah said, people, have some wine. Drink. And then one of them said, let me read from verse 6. Jeremiah 35 from 6. But they replied, we do not drink wine. Why? Because our forefather Jonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. Neither you nor your descendants must ever drink wine. Also, you must not, never build houses, sow seed or plant vineyards. You must never have any of these things, but must always live in tents. Then you will live a long time in the land when, where you are nomads. Verse 8. We have obeyed everything our forefather Jonadab, son of Rechab, commanded us. Neither we nor our wives, nor our sons, nor our daughters have ever drank wine. And so you are the prophet of God. You have called us into the house of God, but we have a command to obey. A 
And it is nobody who gave us this command but our own grandfather. And we have not disobeyed our grandfather. And today, today, we are not willing and we are not ready to break that command. What a people. As soon as they said that, God called Jeremiah. Jeremiah, have you heard? Look at these people. Their grandfather instructed them. And they are obeying it to the letter. But I am the Lord God. I instruct you the house of Judah and Israel. And you refuse to obey me. Oh, how sometimes human beings are afraid to obey their directors and their managers. Even against the word of God. May the Lord help us. Church, God wants us to be holy. In our work, in our doing business. Whatever we are doing, our businesses should be a holy business. We should stop profiteering. If you are a Christian and a holy person, you go take a good, you do all your calculation, your imports and everything, and you realize that that one item costs 10 cities. And because Peras is a scarce commodity and nobody knows where you are bringing it from, and because here we don't have price control, you decide to double it and sell it 20 cities for a poor person to come and buy at that cutthroat price. Oh, it's in the name of money. We want to make money. Where are we taking the money if you know that we are going to heaven? May God help us. I remember when we were kids, there was this one. Maybe you don't have to be like that. There was this man. He was selling upper prancer. And when our parents are not there, we want to buy a professor, you go, we wait when the woman is not there and then her husband is there. And then we go and buy. As for the man, when you go, and whether you are buying five pesos, it's in the sixties or one peso or whatever, he will look at you and see how much will satisfy you and then he will give it to you. <laughs> so we always wait. When the woman is not there, the man comes and we'll go and buy. And then he will just give it. You know, he's <laughs> a good man. And anyway, I'm not saying go and do business and then be in debt. But at least let's put on it what will be okay for us. Let's stop profiteering. Some of us, we even evade tax. And yet we expect that our nation will be possessed. And yet we expect that our roads and everything will be fixed. It doesn't happen that way. We need to do the needful. Some of us, we employ people. And then we cheat them by paying them low wages. And you, the manager, you take 20000 for yourself. And you give a poor young lady who is struggling to do some savings to go to school. You pay her 400 CDs. It is not right. It can't be right. You can use your position to cheat and be greedy in this world. Some managers harass their staff sexually. And I think that if you are a church, becoming a glorious church, we need to give attention to all these things. Corruption at the workplace, it must stop and not be part of the church's life because we are holy. Let me talk briefly about school because I'm in school. And if you're a Christian and you go to school and during examination, you have a paw in your pocket with the intention of cheating. That is unchristian. And that is not right. It is not. And you will give accounts at the judgment day. Yes. And so stop cheating. Study and... Um, scripture study to show yourself approved. It is not right. It is not good. I think I've said this with you before when during uh, some two years ago, BEC examination, and a religious and moral education teacher was standing in front of his class. He calls himself a reverend, and he was telling his class that, oh, children, don't worry. Before a day to the examination time, I will get you the, the, the wayek paper for BEC. 
And then all the children in class were clapping for him. Our best teacher in the whole wide world. How are we teaching our children? If a religious and moral education teacher can tell his people that I will give you the, the BEC examination paper before the examination and all the class can applaud that he is the best teacher in the whole wide world, then we have a problem. Church, it is time to rise up and transform our nations. We need to possess the nation, but God needs a glorious church. As we prepare to go out into the world, this is half time. Let us go and possess the nations. But God will need the vessel that is holy. May the Lord bless you. Amen.